Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Diving Pod. My name is Lindsay Hammer, and I'm a senior diver at James Madison University. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Uh, get over to sidelinescout.com. Check out their poolside live package. It's amazing. We're actually enjoying some of the updates that recently came out. So make sure you get over there, check it out, get yourself hooked up with the best in the business from Sideline Scout. So just getting started, like we always do with every guest, um, Lindsay, just kind of take us through your journey, how you got started in diving, maybe where you dove high school club and uh, where you are now. So I started diving when I was nine years old. I actually kind of joke with my teammates that I'm one of the last people who started young because there's now so many, you know, gymnasts transitioning in, but I, my teammates and I will kind of be like, no, we were like the OGs. Um, but my, when I was little, I like was, you know, the typical fearless kid. My mom called our club's bleachers, like the crazy child, uh, emotional, like support group for parents because they all had similar stories. But I was the kid who was like, you know, leaping off the stairs into my dad's arm, like jumping off things at playgrounds, all of that. Um, but there was never really a sport that kind of suited that. And we were randomly on a family vacation and we had been hiking all day. And my parents were like, oh, you know, she's got to be tired. And I wasn't. So then they found like a local pool and they took me there and they were like, oh, you know, she'll swim for a little, be tired. And they had a one meter and a three meter. And it was like the first time I'd ever been on a diving board. And I was like, launching myself off like I spent like so much time there and I was like we don't really know how it went but my mom was like I'm sure you probably smacked so many times but like I just kept going because it was so much fun um and so then we got back to um like we got back home and I was like mom I want to dive and I'm from Colorado which is kind of like it's weird because you know both coasts are pretty popular and you get to the midwest and it's kind of popular but Colorado is one of those states where there just isn't a ton. And I was like, I want to dive. And she was like, no, like that, that's not really thing here. And then I was like, okay. And then I was like, no, I want to dive. And she was like, no, it's kind of dangerous. And I was like, after three months, I was like, mom, I want to dive. So I guess I like finally broke her and she started to do some research. Um, and she found mile high dive club, which is a pretty big club. I dove with Jack Perkins and Jen Hess, who are pretty big in the diving community. Um, and I went in for like my we did like evals to kind of figure out what team you would be on. And this was in November. Um, and, and my eval, I don't really remember, but we had like belts on tramps and apparently they just put me in a belt. And my first question was like, how many flips can I do? And then I was in there for like 30 minutes and my mom was in the gyms, like dryland gyms waiting room. And uh, Jen came out and she was like, she's going to be on our competition team. Uh, it's November. And this was when spring and summer regional still happened. And she was like, she has a meet in five months. And my mom was like, oh, okay. So it just kind of like right then and there, it was like, all right, like, guess we're getting into it. So I um, started there when I was nine and kind of like, you know, each club program usually has levels and I worked through the levels and stuff. Um, and I just kind of stayed with it and continued to fall in love with it, continued to fall in love with my team, the sport, kind of the community, because you know, it's really one of those sports that has such a small tight knit community, especially when you go to meets, like I would have friends from other zones who I would see once a year, but when you're in your age group, every time you see them at a meet, it's so fun. And you like reunite. And especially when you get to 16, 18 and you have like hours to talk in between each dive, you get to like talk to them for a while and stuff. So I was there. Um, and then when I was about 16, I started to go through the recruiting process when I was recruiting. Um, I was the last or the second to last class that was able to not take trips till their senior year. I was kind of right before our junior. So 
I was there. Um, Jen and Jack are really great about the recruiting process, recruiting process, and they encourage you to start early. So when I was 16, I was like, you know, drafting up schools and once I could email coaches, I kind of got those out right away, got my recruiting video out and then committed to JMU fall of my senior year of high school. And then went there in the fall of 2019. Cool. So I had a follow-up. You sound like a little bit of a daredevil. I, you got to have a broken bones story. There's gotta be something, right? So I actually, and I knock on wood, I have made it to almost 21 years old. I've never broken a bone. Oh my God. I will say I have, I almost wish I'd broken a bone because I've had a severe elbow dislocation and three surgeries. So I've kind of done everything you know, muscle strain, all of that, except break a bone. And my mom was like blown away. She was like, I don't know how you haven't done it. So I always knock on wood because I'm so close. I have a year left, but yeah. (laughs) That's good. I like that. Yeah. So follow-up question for you. Um, Can you, or actually we'll kind of hit it in a little bit, but like, how have you enjoyed your time at James Madison? I've loved it. I think that the thing to me that makes JMU so special and what I love about it is I've never kind of seen a school or looked at a school um, or met people at a school who are so intertwined swimming and diving. Um, One of our most important things that we always say is like, we emphasize the and in swimming and diving. Um, So I've loved it just because in my high school, I was like the only diver. Swim and dive wasn't really a big thing. Um, I didn't have a super big team in high school. So I'd only really experienced diving just with divers on my club team. But when I got the school to school, it was the first time, like I truly seen the two sports work together. And so like when I took my recruiting trip and, you know, when people take their trips, they'll say like, we can't even tell who's a swimmer and who's a diver because the way we interact with each other, it just looks like one big team. And that's been really special to me. Like, you know, our swim coach at every meet, um, Dane Peterson, he's so supportive. And he's like, when you're done swimming, like, you know, you get behind your divers. Obviously there's times when the swimmers have to go to the hotel if it's a prelim final meet, but if it's a duel or something, he's like, just cause you're done. Or if you're not, you know, you don't have a race right away. Like you need to get behind the divers, which is really special to me. And it's also been fun um, to get to learn a lot about swimming. Cause swimming is, I think a little more fun to cheer on than diving because you can yell the whole time and you can be as loud as you want. So that's, what's made it really special to me. Awesome. So talk a little about your relationship with your club coaches and how they developed um, you and what you liked about them. Um, Well, I'm sure Jen will listen to this. Jen, no, she's my second mother. There were probably weeks growing up. I saw her more than my own mom, but Jen and Jack hold a very special place in my heart. I think especially because um, I started so young and I stayed at the same club team, you know, for nine years, ages nine to 18. Um, They truly got to watch me grow and I got to grow through them. And I think it's special because I got to grow through a sport, which, you know, I learned a lot of life lessons through that. So I learned perseverance. I learned dedication. I learned time management. Like I was able to grow up kind of developing all those school or all those skills. Um, So they have a very special place in my heart. I think also because when you grow up, you know, your coaches get to kind of be there through all your life milestones. So whether it's like, you know, just a random birthday or like your 16th birthday. I am Jewish. So when I had a bat mitzvah, they were there for that, you know, like your high school graduation, when you get your license for the first time and they're like, all right, here's all the kids you're going to drive for carpool. Now that your parents <laughs> don't have to do that, like do that. So I think that's, what's really special to me is that I've been able to go through all these key moments of my life and also things like 
when I qualified for nationals the first time, you know, like when I had a really great meet, when I had a really bad meet, like I kind of was able to go through all that with them. That makes sense. Um, so we, we've had some questions for some listeners, some young listeners mm-hmm. to talk, that have asked about the recruiting process. Um, and so we kind of want to maybe dig into that a little bit with you, but what was the recruiting process like for you? It's great that you started it early, maybe mm-hmm. the ups, the downs, where you took your visits and what helped you make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say, obviously, like I said, it's slightly different now, but I think the process is still the same. So if you are someone who's recruited as a junior, like this applies to you, it's just a year earlier for you. But um, we started recruiting in my club towards the end of your sophomore year, I think summer before junior year, maybe. And it wasn't like the process of talking to coaches, but it was like kind of developing like yourself in that process and all the things you want. So at some point during my junior year, I, um, we had to give Jen and Jack a list of, I think around 30 schools. And it was basically great because you would look up 30 schools for a lot of us. It's usually the same, you know, you look up all the division one schools you want or all the division one schools or whatever division you want. And then you kind of go through that list and take out what you like, what, or take out what you don't like. So for me, it was like, I started with a lot of um, division one schools. I knew I didn't want to go on the West coast because I (laughs) ate warm weather and I'm from Colorado. So I wanted to get a winter wherever I was. Um, I knew I didn't really want a power five conference. That was pretty big for me. So I was able to kind of filter down. I kept a few power fives, but I was pretty much mid-major. And then another thing is I knew I wanted to do something related to media and video when I went to school. So I kind of took out um, all of those that didn't have a program. So I think that's the most important thing is don't start with just like researching schools that have what you like, get a huge list of schools because it's a lot easier to eliminate than it is to just like Google like does so-and-so have this major? Does so-and-so have this major? Like I found it easier to subtract. So I got my list in and then Jen and Jack and I, you know, you meet with them individually and you kind of go over it and it's like, Hey, I think this school would be good for you. Maybe not this one. Oh, here's something you didn't have that I think would be really good for you. Um, and so then from there, we kind of send out our email to the coaches like, hi, you know, my name's Lindsay Hammer. Um, some key points I put in my email that I think are good are your name, what you want to major in, what you look for in a school or what you value, like what's important to you, obviously like your academics and what dives you're currently doing. I think a really good thing to put is your goal dives because a lot of coaches will be like, oh, okay, you have a standard list, but I think it helps to show that you have motivation while you're at that school that you want to continue to learn and progress your list. So for me, I didn't have a ton of pike dives on one meter. So I was like, hey, I really want like 303B, I really want to get more twisters. Like I want to work on gainer twisters, you know, add some harder twister ops to my three meter list. Um, For me, I had a recruiting video finish. So I also linked that in my email. And I think another important thing that some people might overlook, but if you're making a recruiting video, like put buildups in there, because even if you don't have, you know, 205, 305 twisters, if you can show doubles and twister buildups to your feet um, on one meter or buildups, that's just as important. Or, you know, if you don't have those, but you can do a great gainer one and a half with a strong kickout, put that because, you know, they can see that the kickout will transfer or wow, her double starts are pretty good. Like I could help them turn that to a 205, no problem. And so from there, I sent out my email, heard back from coaches. If I didn't hear back from any, I didn't love, I was like, okay, you know, not the end of the world. If there were some I really liked, I would be kind of pushy and send out a second email. And then 
as you start to hear back to and kind of interact with the coaches and have phone calls, um, I think if you can, pushing for phone calls is really important because there's only so much of someone's tone that you can understand over an email. And so then I had my phone calls and I started to kind of filter out and get my official visits. And my official visits were exactly what I wanted, um, East Coast mid-major. So I had JMU, I had University of Connecticut, and UMass Amherst. And another thing that I think is really important is I made JMU my first recruiting trip. And I did this because it was my top choice going in. And I had someone tell me to make your favorite trip if you can first, because if your favorite trip is last, when you go to your other schools, you're going to be like, oh, but you're probably like, you're probably going to be like, oh, does it do this? Like, cause I know JMU does this. And you're kind of going to have your top choice in the back of your mind subconsciously. And then, you know, if you get to your top choice and it's not what you expected and you don't like it at all, you're going to realize like you might've spent too much of your first two trips comparing it to really kind of enjoy them. So I made Jamie my first, I loved everything about it, but I still kept an open mind on my last two trips. And then after going to those schools, um, a huge thing for me that I paid a lot of attention to was my major, because, you know, diving is a sport that you don't really do after college and you don't really go pro, but your degree is what you do after college. So for most people, um, And so I was like, well, what do I want academically? And Jane, you had like the best media and video program by far. So that, and as well as the team atmosphere, and again, seeing on my trip, how intertwined the team was, um, those were kind of my final deciding factors. Awesome. So I do have a couple of follow-up questions. So Mm -hmm. um, one was when you were going through that process, um, how much did your parents help in that process for you? My parents were really great and my parents kind of helped as much as I wanted them to, or as much as I asked them to. Um, And that was another thing that I think Jen and Jack were good about because they also like our first recruiting meeting, your parents are there. And so um, it was kind of like, you know, they were like, Hey, you know, some parents will try to pick your school for you. And they talk to you with your parents so they can kind of be like, you know, we know like maybe your kid's looking at your alma mater or maybe your kid is looking at like what your dream school was, or maybe, you know, you uh, were an athlete at this school and like you liked this one more the whole time or stuff like that. Um, And so my parents were really great and really supportive, but they, I don't want to say like they weren't supportive, but they didn't really step in unless I asked them to, because I think that they wanted me to be able to experience it on my own. And I think that's a huge, you know, coming of age point because they didn't really want to be holding my hand the whole time. Because then when I go to college, like I knew I was moving halfway, almost all the way across the country, like, they're not going to be there. So I think that they wanted me to be able to kind of see if I could handle those schools on my own. So it wasn't like a shock when I got there. Yeah. I think that's uh, I ask because it's very obvious sometimes whenever I will get emails from prospective student athletes and the paragraph or the email that gets sent is one font and one size. And (laughs) the name for me, coach Calhoun is a different font. And it's like, Oh, make sure your fonts match. I don't have any issues with, Hey, it's a form email that goes out to a hundred coaches. Yeah. Make sure it matches. And it's like, I think it's great to hear you handled that yourself. Cause then mm-hmm. you got to know the coach better than if your parents are forming the yeah. emails. And it's very uh, like for all the young listeners out there, it's very obvious when your parents are sending yeah. the emails, very yeah. obvious. <laughs> um, I would, I, I can't speak for all coaches. I would rather have an email with misspellings with silly questions that I'm like, Oh, this is 100% a 16 yeah. to 18 year old kid asking. 
Cause that's normal. Like that, you know, that's how I was. I don't know. I mean, I would assume that's how Aaron was. Cause he's goofy. Like me, you probably <laughs> have had yourself way more put together than us, but uh, I just think that's great to hear. Aaron, did you have any questions with recruiting? No follow-up questions. I was just really impressed with, you know, all the different things you did. And I took a ton of different notes. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you kind of worked it backwards from, okay, what do I want? What do I value? Where do I want to be? And then you, you know, had this massive list of schools and then you just did this subtraction. Like you said, that's, I think that's super smart. I think Mm -hmm. more people should be doing that because we're all guilty, right? You Mm -hmm. see a good springboard young diver who just wants to go to Ohio state because they got good springboard diving and it, you know, it, it might not necessarily be a fit and it might be a great fit, but I think the way that you approached the whole recruiting process was, was awesome. I really enjoyed listening to that. I also, um, if people are listening who are recruiting, the most important thing I did was a Google spreadsheet and it was the simplest thing ever, but I made my columns and it was, I think school name. Um, and there were some things I liked, some things I that were, or some things that were big, some were small. It was school name, location. It was like, yes or no. Do they have a major? I like, if so, what's the major? Um, you know, fun things like, do they go on a training trip? Um, do they trying to think, do this for me? I'm not a platform diver. So I was like, do they do platform? A huge thing is what's their tuition. And then if you follow up, what scholarship can I get? You know, what's my tuition after, um, I, I'm a redhead. So my funny thing was I didn't want any schools that had red in their colors because (laughs) I didn't want to wear red. So, you know, when I looked at some schools and I was like, oh, I might be getting like a red suit or red warmups and that might not be like what works for me, but you don't have to be good at spreadsheets. And I think my spreadsheet, my dad made for me just because he's like a Microsoft whiz, but that is a huge step because it's really good to have everything like visualized next to each other. You, you like totally took my joke right out from underneath <laughs> me because I am the biggest fan of the color red. So really? like, I, I needed to go to a school that had red. <laughs> it's my, it's my favorite color. That's really, really funny too. Yeah. That, yeah I mean, it, it makes sense in your case <laughs> to avoid that color a little yeah. bit. It was like red and orange too, but me yeah. red. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So Heath and I definitely had a good college experience I'm curious, what's your favorite part uh, and what have you enjoyed about being a collegiate athlete? Oh, um, I'm trying to obviously like it's like one of those questions that you're like all of this. And then you're like, I don't know, like when a recruit asks you what your favorite part of the school is and you're like, uh, and then you're like, no, I like it. I just don't know what to say. Um, (laughs) I think first and foremost, the relationships. um, And that's not just to say relationships with people on my team directly, but relationships with other athletes, relationships with coaches, relationships with professors and tutors I've had and people who can help me. Um, I think a lot of what I appreciate is how I've been able to continue to grow structure in my life. I think it's been really helpful because I have kind of found quickly how to balance like school and seriousness in school um, or school and fun, sorry. And kind of getting to really experience that as a higher level, I think is something that, you know, sometimes it's a pain when I'm like, gosh, we for a meet Thursday, which means I have to do all my homework for the week on Monday through Wednesday, or, oh, we have the seven hour bus ride. I can't sleep. I have to spend it all doing homework, but learning those kind of skills that can help me in the future. I think a lot of people kind of don't understand the importance of time management, but I've interviewed for internships and stuff. And one of the first things they say is how is your time management? So I think being able to kind of get that structure has also been really helpful. 
Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So this one's a pretty simple one. We, we give you a tough one. Now it's a simple one. What is your favorite dive and why? Um, you know, I, I love four or five C on three meter. Um, I think a lot of people like kind of usually stray away from inwards and gainers, but to me, like never really had an issue with inwards. And that's a dive for me that most times if a meet is going like really bad, I'm like, okay, you know what? I can pull it out, pull it like all out for an inward. I think kind of correlating. I also love four or three beyond one meter, but I've always kind of liked three meter a little more. So I think that's it. Awesome. Cool. Um, okay. So you had an interesting situation over there at James Madison this past season. Tell us, tell us about that situation. Talk about what happened this season, um, regarding your conference. The the floor is kind of yours on this one. Okay. Um, so if you haven't heard, it actually became pretty big sports news, which we weren't expecting for a mid-major school, but this year, um, JMU this past school year announced that they were transitioning into the Sunbelt Conference, which a huge thing for that is right now we are an FCS football school and it's transitioning to an FBS school. It's getting a little more competitive, which opens the door for a lot of great things like uh, academic grants, academic funding and stuff like that. And JMU had kind of been outgrowing the CAA, you know, we'd been in it for a while. Um, And so then we knew we were transitioning to the Sunbelt and Unfortunately, with that, our um, us declaring to move got us kicked out of the CAA. So I will always remember exactly how it happened. Um, we had like known we were going to the Sun Belt for a while. Like, I don't really think anyone was like surprised. It had been rumored and like, especially with football, I've been getting a lot of media. So we were all kind of prepared for it. Um, there were a few concerns like the Sun Belt doesn't have swimming and diving. They don't sponsor it. So some of us were kind of like, oh, like, what will we do? But we were like, oh, maybe we'll stay in the CAA, you know, maybe we'll join another conference or there was like, it's just football going to the Sun Belt. And so I remember it was like a Tuesday night and we got this notification. It was like all athletes have a mandatory athletics meeting like tonight in our, you know, basketball arena. Um, if you can't make it, tell your coach, but it's like everyone was expected to be there. And I got the notification at like 6.30 p.m when I was leaving practice. So it was like kind of hard to have a conflict at like 7 PM. Um, and I remember, you know, the divers were finishing up and we were in the locker room and we were like, Oh God, like, why are we going to this? We know we're going to the Sun Belt, you know? And I remember I actually passed a friend in the hallway and I think I'd been having like a kind of rough practice, like not bad, but not great. But I was like, I just want to go home. Like, why am I even going to this meeting? Like it's all for football. It doesn't even apply to me. And he was like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, but tell me how it goes. So we're all kind of walking into it. We're like, oh, like whatever. And then we're like gathered around and our athletic director, sure enough, is like, so we're officially transitioning to the Sun Belt. Um, We were like, yeah, yeah. And then he starts kind of talking a little more. And he tells us that the CAA, the Colonial Athletic Association, essentially had this bylaw. And it stated that if you declare to leave the CAA for another conference, you are therefore banned from conference competition for the remainder of that year, or just for that year in general. So he kind of starts talking about this and we're like, oh, that's interesting. And I had remembered earlier in the day, I had seen a friend on volleyball and she was like freaking out. And I didn't know why. And she had said something about like not getting to compete at conference and it hadn't really processed for me. And I was like, wait a second, like, that like kind of rings a bell. And so then he kept talking and he had talked about how himself and our university's president had gone directly like to the CA office. They drove two hours and they kind of had this whole 
appeal process and they gave this whole speech and they were like, hey, we know we're leaving. This is why we should um, compete in conference. This is why we would like to. And he's like telling us all this and we're like, oh, like, you know, yes, like, you know, they did this. This is so great. They did this for us. And then he said our appeal was denied. And that was like a complete shock. Like it took a second, especially because some of us had been like half listening. Some of us had been, I think, not like it's not his fault, but kind of getting our hopes up and stuff. Um, And when we heard that, it was like, I've never been in a room where a room's tone has shifted that way. Like it was like, you didn't even know what to do because you didn't think this was a thing that can happen. You've never, I've never heard of this happening to another school. And like, you know, I'm from a pretty big club team. I have friends at a lot of schools and like, I never heard of anything like this happening. And so um, we just kind of sat there for a second. And then it was like, you pretty much either closed your mouth and stayed silent because you were so upset or you started to cry. And he kind of like gave us a moment. And then I honestly don't really remember what he said after that to try and comfort us. Cause I was so caught off guard and kind of in shock. And then, um, it was kind of like looking around and meeting my teammates eyes and kind of seeing that they were crying. And at one point we turned around and we could see their coaches were trying, especially cause you know, they had found out earlier and they couldn't share this with us, which obviously wasn't ideal, but it was like, they had known this and it was like, they going into it were knowing all their athletes were about to get their hearts broken. Um, and I, like, I just remember sitting there crying. And I remember my teammate next to me was like kind of confused and a senior turned around and she was like, there's no conference. Like, that's it. And I was just like, just crying. Like, I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like sad crying. I was angry crying. I was confused. I felt upset. And my first thought was like, oh my God, my team, because there had never, we had just had our um, four peak. We had won four CAs in a row after my sophomore year. And we were going for a fifth and no women's team had ever won five CA championships in a row. And this was like, we were so excited for this year. Like we were like, this is great. Like we have a shot. We're putting everything into this. Like this could be our, our the first CA five peak. This is making history. We made history the previous year as the first JMU team to win four consecutive CA championships in a row. And we were like, we're going to keep this rolling. Um, and I just thought about my team and, you know, the seniors this year who couldn't do it and the freshmen who had had their whole world shattered. And I think that one of the worst things about this is we're coming off a COVID year. So we're coming off a year where half of our sports haven't even had conference. Like for us, it's like, this isn't just a one-time thing. It's like, you're in a room of fifth years who purposely chose to come back because they didn't get that chance last year. So then it's like, you think about them and they're like, well, is this a year of my life? I just threw down the drain. Cause I, you know, was trying to do what I couldn't the year before. Um, and it feels selfish, but I thought about myself a little because I was injured during CAs my freshman year. I didn't compete at all my sophomore year due to COVID. They actually split up the swimmers and divers between two pools. So I got to watch my team win freshman year and my sophomore year, the divers had the first round of competition at a separate pool. So we didn't know if we won. And we watched our team win with all nine of us sitting in someone's living room while we watched the swimmers broadcast because we weren't allowed to go. And so I was like, you know, I'm never going to compete at CAs with my team. And I um, had been coming off my third surgery. I've had three surgeries on my right arm. And I was like, this was like, you know, my comeback season. Like I had been feeling good. I had thought my medical stuff was all figured out. And it was like, we don't know what to do. And so after that, our swim coach kind of called us over and we had a meeting and he was like, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen. Later on, we tried to petition it and all schools voted against us. We had a 
Google Doc go around that I think got up to 32 pages of student athletes from a bunch of different schools that had signed it in support and didn't really do anything. Um, and so we were just kind of lost and it was like heartbreaking, you know, and it's like, you know, you work your, your whole goal is your championship season. Like that, as even if you're an individual athlete, like you, you know, you want the good, you want like to win it with your team. You want to win it for your team. You want the freshmen who haven't experienced it for like experienced it before to win it. And you also want it for yourself and you want it for your seniors. And we wanted it to make history. Um, and so then it just kind of like, that was it. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> tough. You know, the whole thing just got pulled out from underneath you. Um, yeah. Oh man. So, so well, Aaron, while you think I do have a question. So you, mm-hmm. you didn't get to compete at conference and I could be mistaken, but didn't UIC go through the exact same thing and their conference ended yeah. up giving in and allowing them to compete. It was the same situation, correct? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that. And they, I mean, at least we had a, like a while. I saw that they got dropped like two days before. Yeah, it was quick. Crazy. It was yeah. like, two, yeah, it was very small amount of time, which I was and and we had, for our listeners, we had planned to do this one earlier and it, it, things kind of fell through and I got really sick for a week and we're finally getting to it. And, um, but yeah, I saw that and I immediately thought of you and JMU and I'm like, wait a second, this school's going through the same thing. Why yeah. am I not seeing JMU getting the chance to compete? And, and I'm happy those athletes got that opportunity, but I'm sad that you guys didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is that something you guys followed or thought about or had discussions with or anything like that? Um, we had kind of, um, we had heard about it and our coach was kind of like, you know, like at least you didn't find out two days before. And he was like, I don't know if this is comforting to you, but there is someone else who's going through this exact same thing. Um, I will say there was a positive. There's something called ECACs and Mm -hmm. that is kind of an open conference meet because Mm -hmm. for CAA, since we're technically individual athletes, we had the option to go and compete individually, but it would be competing ex, uh, I can't think exhibition Mm -hmm. and you don't get to make it out of prelims. Like you're just going basically to time trial or get a good score. And our swim coach was like, none of us are doing that. We're a team. So we ended up finding ECACs and we went and we actually won ECACs, which was really exciting. Um, It was kind of like us going in with a vengeance and that was really fun. Um, So we did have that positive at the end of it. Yeah, that's good. The only thing that came to my mind, and and maybe this is just me searching for a loophole in the whole situation. Do you think the school could have waited until the year was over to announce that? Is that kind of like foul play? I don't understand. Just like, could that have helped the situation? That's something that's a little fuzzy to us. Um, I think that the biggest thing is it, this isn't to throw shade, but it was a move that heavily supported football. And I think when things happen that support football, um, you kind of choose to go forward with those on the timeline that's appropriate yeah. for that sport. Sure. So yeah. I suppose once once their season kind of wrapped up, it was like, hey, it's it's time to kind of make the move. Yeah. Which yes. which again is directly in the center of your season. Yeah. Yes. So looking forward, have you received any clarity on what is going to happen moving forward with the Sunbelt Conference and diving? Because I can I think of JMU right now similarly to Clarion. Um, so where I coach right now we do not have a conference championship for diving the conference. This is where it's a little goofier. The conference voted diving out in like the, I want to say like mid nineties, they -hmm. voted it out of the conference. So they still have a swimming championship, but we don't get to compete at conference for diving. So I'm curious as to what you guys are doing, if you've had any news on that. So we know something is happening, but we don't know what, um, our school kind of told us right away that any 
team that doesn't go in the Sun Belt um, will find a conference. And it's been hinted at that we know what we're doing, but right now we don't know because it's like, you know, legal yep. stuff. So I'm not hiding anything from you guys. I don't know, but I know next year we will have a conference meet. Good. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, that's it. And, and what I'm gathering too, and this is just a really cool school tie that you have clearly deep rooted within you is, you know, there was at this point, no thought of even transferring to a different school. And, you know, that's important to cycle all the way back to the beginning of our conversation in the recruiting process. You picked a school that had the major you wanted because, you know, your diving career for everybody, nearly everybody, it's, it's ending after your college seasons yeah. um, and college careers. So it's, it's really cool to kind of see the, the loyalty, if you will, to your school and not even, you know, entertain the idea um, if I'm gathering that correctly um, of, of a transfer situation. Absolutely. I think in that moment, everyone was like, we're, we're doing whatever we do. Like there was something that moment that was so like that just united us so much that I think everyone was like, okay, we're doing this as a team. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what's going on, but this is going to bring us closer and it has to bring us closer than anything ever has. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I respect that. That's it's incredible. Um, so yeah, feel for you for sure on the whole conference situation. That's a bummer. Um, but, uh, we'll get into our signature questions here. I'll ask everybody, what is your favorite failure or best opportunity for growth? You know, failure is kind of a tough word. It's a harsh word, but we treat it as a positive, you know, mm -hmm. the best opportunity for growth. So what would you say that is for you? Um, I mean, obviously I think the CA is definitely <laughs> one of them, but yeah. to talk about something different, um, I think that my kind of best opportunity for growth has been being injured. Um, it's a hard thing and every athlete goes through it, but I think for me, I've had a few injuries. Like I said, I've had a few surgeries and I think each one of them has allowed me to grow. Um, it's also allowed me to realize how much of the sport isn't physical. And I think that's contributed to my growth. Cause I'm like, okay, right now I can't jump on the boards. I can't jump on a tramp. I can't do this, but what I can do is I can sit here and I can visualize or you know, people don't really watch film and diving, but I can go watch like women's three meter finals, women's one meter finals. I can sit here and I can still do come outs. I can still model my dives. You know, I can talk to people to work on my mental health. That's a huge thing for me. I can meet with our sports psychologist or my therapist and kind of get myself through this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, mine is the same way. Uh, as far as the injury thing, you know, you battle back, you learn how to become stronger. Um, so next one here, what can the NCAA do to improve? You know, I, obviously that's very open-ended, but, uh, what do you think on that front? Um, it's not diving related, but I think this is kind of a hot topic right now. And I think that mental health is one of the biggest things that needs to be focused on. And I know it's kind of shifting the tone of this episode, but I think, you know, a lot of things have been going on. Um, there's been losses at a few schools. JMU has unfortunately had a loss, um, within the past month and, yeah. I think that right now it seems like in the NCAA, there's a huge focus on mental health for sports performance and they're doing everything they can to get you to perform at your best and, you know, work through injuries. But I think that there are a lot of things that come out of that, like depression, or if you're not doing well in school and it's kind of like, you don't really feel like there's anywhere you can go for that because it's not what you're doing in the pool. So I have a follow-up question and I hope this doesn't come across wrong. Do you feel that the NCAA prioritizes mental health or they say they prioritize mental health? 
I I don't want to get in trouble, but I feel like they <laughs> it's okay. I think they've said they prioritized it for a while, and I think now they're being forced to. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think that's a fair fair assessment. I yeah, think, I think a lot of people talk about mental health, and they know that's a a keyword you need to use now. And I only ask because like like we've talked about it on here before. Like I have my master's in mental health counseling. So like, that's something like my athletes, like that's my first question at the end of the year is, do you feel like I always put your health, your mental and emotional health above everything else? And they're like, yes. And like, when they do that, I get to go, all right, I did my job for the year. Like Mm -hmm. everything else is just bonus. So, um, I love hearing you talk about mental health. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, did you have any follow-ups Aaron? I didn't want to go onto mine unless you were good. No, I'm, I'm great. I'm done. Awesome. All right. Um, so what is your favorite drill? This can be water, dry land, doesn't have to be complicated or crazy. <laughs> um, I am a, a sucker for, as we call it, a back pop-up or a jumping back lineup on one meter. Yes. I yes. Love yes. It. That's I my love, favorite. It's so good for seeing your toes on a kick out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also something about like when you hit a really good knee save and you get to watch it back and there's no splash that is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I think it applies to more than people think it might. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So best advice you have either given or received at this point, it does not have to be just athletically. So this one is going to, it's going to come from Jen Hess herself. I'm going to make sure she listens to it because she (laughs) tells everyone at mile high this. And it's like, you know, when you're on deck and she starts telling it to you, you're like, Jen, you've heard that a million times. Like I've heard it a million times. Like, do I, and you know, it's like, you might be going through your 16, 18 event. That's four hours long. And you've just done a gainer for twos and you're like the last <laughs> thing I want to hear is like some advice because I have you know two or three dives left and I have to like power through this but it's the pizza metaphor and let's say you know a 16 18 girls list I applied to everything you know six dive list 10 dive 11 for high school you order a pizza you get your favorite flavor for me it's cheese and you're so excited and you pick up this pizza and it's like hot and fresh and it smells great and you open it and there's 10 slices and on one of them they accidentally put anchovies and it's like, well, you, has your pizza been ruined? Like, you're not going to just throw it all away because there's this one slice with anchovies. So it's like the way she applies it is you have a 10 dive list. So if your list is going great and then you tank a dive and it's your anchovies, like your anchovy slice or whatever you hate, is that it? Like, is your list over? Are you scrapping it? Because, you know, maybe it's your first optional and you've had five really good pieces of pizza and then you have one that sucks, but it's like, are you just going to give up on the other four? Like, you know, or what are you going to do? Because you can still save those. And it's like a silly thing, but I think it helps me because it's not a super serious thing. Um, I think it applies to a lot of different things. You know, when you're a little kid, she makes you get fun with it. She's like, what do you love on pizza? What do you hate on pizza? Like, do you want like chocolate sauce on your pizza? And then you get older and you're like, okay, well, realistically, if a 10th of something, or even like two tenths, or maybe even half your list is bad, that doesn't mean that it's like the whole thing has to be bad. Love it. That's, that's awesome. And that, you know, it's kind of, uh, that's, that's cool. It brings me back, you know, today I was working on a little bit of an outline for Mr. Greg Luganis and it brought me to his Olympic performance. You know, he hit his head on the board and he got right back up and qualified for the final and won. So it's, it's definitely a a good message to hear for anybody that, you know, if one thing goes wrong, that's okay. Just keep your head down, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So we always ask this question, who should we interview next? I think I know one of your answers. So I have to preface (laughs) it with, we've already reached out to Jen and we're going to follow up with her in the fall. So we think we'll be able to get her in the fall or winter time. So who else would you like to hear us interview? Um, okay. So I would love 
to hear Thomas Fincham. And I think I oh. might have heard this guy's before, but I'm not sure. I am a huge country music fan. Um, so obviously he's making his way into the country music world, but that to me is an insane career change. And we also know that Thomas Fincham was a very successful diver, specifically a successful platform diver. So I think to hear, you know, I think especially because for a lot of people, they, you know, diving ends, like it's, again, it's not swimming. You can't go do a few laps when you want to work out. You can't go like kick around a soccer ball with your friends. You can't go play tennis with some of your like old teammates, but he completely changed and he was able to kind of put the diving world behind him. So I think that could be a really good perspective. And also if there's something completely unrelated to, you know, what you've been doing your whole life, that isn't sport. How can you pursue that? And how can you kind of put everything into that and kind of, you don't have to let a huge part of yourself go, but I think he's been able to kind of demonstrate that transition really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will get on that one. Um, so um, before we Aaron does our send off, we just want to remind everybody about the Moss Farms Coaches Clinic that we will be having um, attached with the skills competition. We think it is going to be an incredible event, um, and we really hope we can get as many of you coaches, college coaches, club coaches, high school coaches, as many people as we can get there. It'll be awesome. Um, so we really hope to see that. That hopefully will be in our. That should be in our link tree as well. If you look that up, and keep an eye out for our graphic as well. Yeah. So hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our email is the diving pod at gmail.com. That is how Miss Lindsay hammer reached out to us. So we were super appreciative to have her on the podcast. Um, don't forget to order t-shirts at divingpod.itemorder.com. Enter dive pod at checkout. That gets you free shipping. So I just want to say thanks again, Lindsay. Um, really, really, really good episode, you know, and, and tough to, tough to hear the situation that happened, but we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great time. Awesome. All right. Well, we will see you next time.